Hello, America. Welcome. It's Eric Erickson here across the nation. Delighted to have you with me. The phone number is 877-973-7425. If you want to call in, this is your open line Friday day. Those of you on the phones, I'll get to you this hour. Uh, I've been summoned to a super secret meeting of the vast right wing conspiracy and will be flying tomorrow uh, to get to the meeting. So uh, now's your chance. Um I I I feel compelled given the conversations of of today, watching newscasts, seeing news feeds, and like I I, I need to talk to you about something. I want you to know who Elizabeth Senate is. You probably have not heard the name Elizabeth Senate. You should know who Elizabeth Senate is. Elizabeth Senate died March 18th, 1988. She was the wife of Charles Sennett, a Church of Christ pastor in Sheffield, Alabama. Charles Sennett, her husband, had financial problems and wanted to cash in a life insurance policy. So he hired two men to go to their home and murder his wife. He paid $1,000. Someone was willing to take $1,000 to murder his wife, Elizabeth, and she fought. They invaded the house and Elizabeth put up a fight. She was stabbed over 15 times. She wasn't shot. It was not quick. She was beaten with the poker from the fireplace and stabbed over 15 times and bled to death. She fought and fought hard, according to the investigator. He said, the investigator said there was blood everywhere. She clearly had put up a struggle. She was beaten with the poker from the fireplace, the cast iron poker, and stabbed over 15 times before she died. She had children. A week later, her husband, when investigators realized it was a murder for hire, her husband ate a bullet and took the coward's way out to avoid the consequences of his actions. Senate recruited a man named Billy Gray Williams And Williams recruited a man named Kenneth Smith. They were each paid $1,000 to murder this woman. The state of Alabama has executed Williams. They attempted to execute Kenneth Smith with lethal injection, but they couldn't find a vein to put the needle in. And so now they're going to execute him with nitrogen. When people do assisted suicide... They use nitrogen to kill them. You're going to hear a lot about how Kenneth Smith is a victim, that he's scared, that this is awful, that they're killing him. Kenneth Smith accepted $1,000 to stab a woman to death and beat her with the fireplace poker while she tried to fight him off. He is no victim. He should be executed. When the flood subsided and the ark was on dry land, 
and Noah and his family came out. God reiterated what he had told Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply and tend to the planet. And he added something, execute those who would take the life of another. God believed that people who murder others should themselves be executed because they devalue life. And I tend to agree. You shall not eat flesh with its life that is its blood. And for your lifeblood, I require a reckoning. This is what God says to Noah. The world is restored. And he says, from every beast, I will require an end from man. From his fellow man, I will require a reckoning for the life of man. Whoever sheds the blood of man by man shall his blood be shed. For God made man and his own image. It's, it's actually remarkable that you have this man and his wife and his sons and daughters-in-law, essentially no one on the planet other than these people. And God says, whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed, for God made man in his own image. And I stand by that. I support the death penalty. Kenneth Smith is not a victim. The victim's name is Elizabeth Sinnott. Elizabeth Sinnott, he murdered her for $1,000 in 1988. She fought him, and he beat her and stabbed her in her own home. Kenneth Smith is going to be executed, and I am fine with it, and you should be too. He is going to be executed with nitrogen because progressives have worked very hard to eliminate every possible means of execution. And it is not a coincidence that as this nation has begun to drift away from the death penalty that we have devalued life. I think there's a tie-in, and it goes back to that statement in Genesis. God says to kill those who would take the life of another created in the image of God. And this nation and so many Western nations, we have seen a rise in euthanasia. We've seen a rise in abortion. We've seen a rise in violence and a rise in disrespect for human life as all of these nations have decided to get rid of the death penalty. We will protect the murderer and treat them as the victim, and we devalue the actual victims. I don't think it's a coincidence at all. I have had on this morning in my studio, I flip between the channels and now I've got this great setup now and I can see all of them. CNBC, MSNBC, CNN, Fox News, Bloomberg, all the news channels up there. All of them have covered this. All of them have covered Kenneth Smith, Kenneth Eugene Smith. They've all covered him. And very few of them want to cover Elizabeth Sennett. Very few of them wish to talk about what happened. Very few of them. Why is that? 
why not put focus on her? She was the victim. She was the victim. Her children remain scarred by it. Her children lost her, and her children lost their father, knowing that their father was the man who wanted to murder her. And I, I said it wrong. That it, Charles Sennett, he recruited Billy Gray Williams, and Williams actually then recruited the two murderers, Kenneth Eugene Smith and John Forrest Parker. Now, at his first trial, a jury voted to sentence Smith to death. There was a second trial, and the jury voted 11-1 to recommend life without parole. The judge overruled him and said he qualified for the death penalty. That argument has since been out the window, and they've already tried to execute him with lethal injection, but um, given the setup and circumstances, they couldn't do it, and so they postponed it to be able to execute him again, and this time with nitrogen. And you know what the, the, the assisted suicide people are saying? Well, when we when we assist people in suicide, we put them in a pod, a sealed pod, and we pump in the nitrogen. They're going to put a face mask on him, and so oxygen might leak in. And so, But you know what would happen if they put him in a pod— they would object to putting him in a pod. They're objecting to killing him at all. And I just always have found it deeply ironic that so many of the people who are upset about the death penalty are totally fine with abortion. So many of the people who do not want to kill murderers are perfectly fine murdering children. And all of them want you to forget about Elizabeth Sennett. And not just Elizabeth Sennett, all the other victims of murder out there. They're always willing to defend the murderers. By the way, there, there's no, there is no, like, doubt about this murder. There's, there's no nebulosity. There's, there's no vagary. There, there's no obscurity. Kenneth Smith was the murderer, one of two of the people who broke into that home and beat her with the poker from the fireplace and stabbed her to that. They didn't use guns. They could have shot her. It could have been quick. It was a brutal, brutal murder in which she fought for her life agonizingly as blade after blade went into her body and blow after blow went to her head. And it offends me. It offends me that they want to treat this guy as some sort of victim and they never, ever want to tell you what he did. They never, ever want to tell you what he did or the ramifications of it, the fallout from it. For a thousand dollars, a thousand dollars, Her husband fell into financial trouble and needed life insurance to bail him out of his debts, and he had his wife murdered for $1,000 apiece to two men. Both of Elizabeth Sennett's sons will watch Kenneth Eugene Smith be executed. 
we just want this to be over with, and I'm sure his family does too. It's been 35 years. He's actually probably laughing or has been because he said he would get out of the first one, and he did. So this one better go through, or we're going to have some serious problems. That's right. He laughed about the first execution not taken. I think we should bring back, you know, in Utah, and, and I think in, in Mississippi they're willing to do firing squads and, and hangings. I see no problem with either. But I just, I, I, I just, I feel compelled, having watched the news this morning, it's amazing how they, they're bouncing back and forth in the coverage between Donald Trump and this guy getting executed. And I just want you to remember that Kenneth Smith is not a victim Kenneth Smith chose to take $1,000 to murder a mom of two sons because her husband wanted her dead. He is not the victim, and he deserves to be executed and hopefully will be. All righty, to the phones we go. Michael's been waiting patiently. You're up next, Michael. Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show. Uh, thank you. A uh, very powerful monologue. I, I agree with everything that, that you just said. Um, but my, my question is, um, with the focus on the presidential race, uh, House and Senate are going to seem to be what Trump needs to get stuff done. Um, how does Nikki Haley either staying in or dropping out affect the Republican Party's focus on the House and Senate elections? Uh, and I'll I, hang I, up I, and wait, wait for your answer. Right. Thank you. Sure, absolutely. Um, good question. I, I, I don't know that it affects it because we're still in the primary process. Uh, and most state uh, congressional primaries are different from their presidential primaries. Most states have their presidential preference primary and their uh, regular primaries for Congress and Senate at different times. And so those are still playing out. And I think those will continue to play out over time as we as we wait to see this happen. Now, uh, I I, I want to say very clearly and distinctly for, for everyone here, I think Donald Trump can win the general election. And I think that the Democrats should be more nervous than some of them are uh, if, if they want to stop Donald Trump because he's tapping into something happening in the country uh, where a lot of people are turned off on the elites. Uh, so many people are... Um, uh, angry with what they see as dysfunction in Washington, whether it's the crime, border, whatever. There's great economic news today, but uh, people aren't feeling it. All the wages may be catching up. That could turn the tide for Biden. But just there are so many issues so many people are angry about. And they weren't angry about those issues when Donald Trump was president. And, and he has a lot to sell people. At the same time, because of his legal bills alone, he's going to need a ton of money from the RNC and super donors, super PACs, to be able to get across the finish line because you got to fund, get out the vote efforts. You've got to make a persuasive case to independence. You've got to run ads. You've got to do all that sort of stuff. And it's all very expensive because remember, you're going to go vote for him. But there are a lot of people who only vote in general elections and they've got to be persuaded every election. And it's expensive to do with ads, media, get out the vote, mail, door knockers, everything. And Trump's money is all going to lawyers. So he's going to have to rely on. Uh, the RNC is going to have to rely on super PACs in a way that, for example, a Haley or a DeSantis or someone else wouldn't just because of the lack of those legal bills. So he's a heavier lift to get elected. He can get elected. But all of that money that's going to have to be used for him that would not have to be used for the others could go to Senate races and House races and make the House and the Senate much more competitive. That's the downside of Trump as the nominee. Just it's the cost. 
the heavy burden of finances to get him across the finish line. He can, he just might, but it'll be more expensive than a Haley or DeSantis race. Now, um, I hope that answers the question. Just it's a resource play and there's only a fixed amount of money that's going to come into play that could be used for the House and the Senate. We have a real good shot at picking up the Senate. Joe Manchin alone retiring gives us the Senate, but there are lots of other races out there at stake. Now, speaking of expense, running your business can be expensive, particularly if you do a lot of shipping of stuff. One great way to save a lot of money is to use stamps.com like I do. You can save up to 89% on post office and UPS shipping rates. It's incredible savings. If you go to stamps.com and you click the microphone, you can put in my name, Eric, E-R-I-C-K. You can start saving today with stamps.com. Here's what I love about it. There is no long-term commitment. There's no contract. You can cancel at any time. I've been a customer of theirs for 20 years, but not 20 consecutive years. There have been years where I didn't need stamps.com. And then suddenly this past year, as I started picking up radio stations and and need to send stuff to people, promo stuff, I I went back to them and they are as good as they've ever been. In fact, better now, their website, their ability to get um, uh, supplies, labels and stuff from them. It's so great. You can order everything from stamps.com and you can cancel at any time. Right now, if you go to stamps.com, you click the microphone and you put in Eric, E-R-I-C-K, you're going to get a free limited time offer with free postage, a free digital scale to help you weigh out your packages, and then you can ship with post office UPS. And here's the thing that's so brilliant. You can arrange pickup at your office through stamps.com or your home. You never have to go stand in line. You don't have to get in your car. It's fantastic. It makes it so easy. It saves you money. It gets your packages out the door. It gives you great rates. Stamps.com. Click the microphone. Put in my name, Eric, E-R-I-C-K. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number 877-973-7425. Let's go to the phones. Brian, you're going to be up next. Welcome to the show, Brian. How are you? I'm doing great, Eric. How are you doing? Great. What's going on? Well, uh, in the spirit of tax season, I'm just curious if uh, there's any intention of Fonnie Willis giving some of that taxpayer dollar back for the improper hiring of the prosecutor. And uh, to kind of follow up, uh, doesn't that entire situation kind of peek behind the veil as to how serious they're really taking that case? And I'll just let you answer. Thank you. All right. Yeah, absolutely, Brian. So I, I would love to see a refund to taxpayers in Fulton County for this prosecution of Trump, but that's not going to happen. Uh, there's just there's not really a mechanism to get it unless um, it, it is shown that there was some level of fraud and uh, fiduciary theft, essentially, that Fawny Willis was paying her boyfriend so that her boyfriend would route the money to take her on fancy trips. Uh, if you could prove that, you could probably get recall some of the money. But I, I have a hard time believing that's going to happen. Um, I, I do think, I really actually believe uh, that this case should be thrown out, uh, given if the allegations are proven true, and it appears that they are, it should be thrown out. Uh, regardless of, of guilt or innocence of the people involved, including those who've already pled guilty, it should be thrown out because you must, you must disincentivize this prosecutorial behavior. And the best way to disincentivize this prosecutorial behavior is to throw out the big case that the prosecutor championed for fame and glory. In all seriousness, it, it's, it needs to be wiped out. It needs to be thrown out. Uh, if when this goes forward and the judge has this hearing and the facts are shown to be what the defendant claims, the whole case should be thrown out 
to disincentivize any prosecutor from ever doing something this unethical again. And it is highly unethical to hire your adulterous boyfriend uh, to be in charge of a case without disclosing that relational conflict of interest, particularly to the taxpayers. 877-973-7425. Mike, you're up next. Welcome to the show. Hey, how are you? Good. What's going on? Well, I want to talk about uh, Nikki Healy's strategy going forward. Uh, she seems to have co-opted something that Rush Limbaugh invented back in 2008 called Operation Chaos. And if you remember, McCain had already wrapped up the nomination for the Republicans after Super Tuesday. The Clinton versus Obama fight was neck and neck. And Rush came up with the idea in the waning primaries as a way to keep the Democrats not able to get to the convention <laughs> right. with a declared nominee. And so he enlisted his listeners to switch over. Not, there was a waste of time to vote for McCain. He had already won to switch over to create a basically a, uh, a tie. And no, no one would have enough votes to, until the, the floor fights that would show up at the Democratic convention. Nikki Haley is doing that right now when she's trying to target in her strategy crossover states where she can get access to the democratic votes that basically mean nothing because it's Biden, Biden's already there. So as long as they're going to show up to vote, she would like them to vote for her. And she's going to pile up delegates and pile up votes using the Democrats to become the Republican nominee. Look, I, I I would say it's the Democrats who are, are doing it more than her. She's taking advantage of it, uh, as Clinton did in, in the um, Operation Chaos of, of 2008, um, in dragging this thing out. Except that there is one problem, however, Mike, with the way this is playing out, and that is – that she's not winning enough delegates anywhere so far. She's not. She's going to get blown out of the water in South Carolina. Um, and then increasingly, as the GOP progresses, it moves to winner-take-all states. So the difference between the Democratic primaries and the Republican primaries is that the Democratic primaries are almost all proportional delegates. The GOP starts with profession, proportional delegates and then rapidly moves to winner-take-all states. So if it's a... 51-49 win for Trump, he gets 100% of the delegates. And what we're seeing is even as the uh, non uh, or independent voters come out and the Democrat voters come out and claim to be Republican, Haley's not putting points on the board. For perspective, if you go back to 2008, uh, Barack Obama secured the nomination June 3rd, 2008. On my birthday in 2008, he got enough votes to become the Democratic nominee, Hillary Clinton, held on. She got 46%. No, no, no. She got 49% of the, the delegates uh, pledged. When you take in superdelegates and all, uh, at the end, she got 46%. He got 53% of the delegates. But it, of pledged delegates, people in the voting, it was 51-49 in the, in the elections. And they've changed the superdelegate rules for the Democrats there. But that's why something like an Operation Chaos becomes a little harder on the GOP side is because Haley can get incremental proportional delegate votes in the beginning, but as it goes on, a lot of those bigger states become closed primaries and they're winner-take-all, so there are only a handful of states she could even do an Operation Chaos-style vote in. After that, it, it's uh, closed primaries, Republicans only, uh, no crossovers, and they're all Trump. My guess is, so for perspective— Barack Obama uh, was able on June 3rd, 2008, to get uh, enough delegates to cross the threshold 
uh, to win the nomination uh, in 2024 in the Republican primary. Super Tuesday comes in early March. Right now, so you need 1,215 delegates to get the GOP nomination. Trump's got 32. Nikki Haley has 17. DeSantis has 9. Vivek Ramaswamy has 3. And as the calendar plays out over time, you're going to have this massive surge starting on, it's going to be March 5th. Alabama, Alaska, American Samoa, Arkansas, California, Colorado, Maine, Massachusetts, Minnesota, North Carolina, Oklahoma, Tennessee, Texas, Utah, Vermont, and Virginia. And then one week later, on March 12th, you'll have Georgia, Hawaii, Mississippi, and Washington. And then March 15th, the Northern Marianas, and March 16th, Guam, March 19th, Arizona, Florida, Illinois, Kansas, Ohio. Uh, So by the end of March, March 23rd will be Louisiana. By the end of March, you're going to have almost all of the delegates collected. And the way that it's flowing is you will have this massive pile of um, massive pile of delegates coming in. And Trump should officially be the nominee by the end of March, just the way the calendar is playing out. And then the Republican convention is going to be the 15th through the 19th of July. The Democratic Convention will be the 19th to 23rd of August. The gathering will be the 8th through the 11th uh, of August uh, between the two conventions, and we'll be focusing on, uh, at my gathering, the Senate and the House candidates that we can put on the board for. So um, there there you have. Um, that's the lay of the land. That's why an Operation Chaos becomes harder on the GOP side. So many of the winner-take-all states and the closed primary nature of them, it just becomes very hard to do. But yeah, to begin with, she's definitely benefited from non-Republicans flowing over, but the structure of the Republican primary is so different from the structure of the Democratic primary in terms of both winner-take-all and superdelegates and proportional voting and the lay of the land on the calendar, not all of them have the same um, same calendar structure. Some of them have... Um, well, I mean, for example, the Iowa caucus for the Democrats won't happen until March. So they're not always on the same flow either. So I hope that answers your question. I, I, I just don't see a mathematical way for Nikki Haley, even with the flood of independent and Democratic voters coming for her, to secure the nomination. Robert, you're going to be up next. Welcome to the show. Thank you, sir. I really do love your show, and I love your perspective as far as uh, with theology and, and your studies. My quick question is, you mentioned um, post-flood Noah and uh, God giving him instructions and a man regarding a man taking another man's life. As a, where, uh, in, in your insight on this, I've been in the service for 15 years, my grandfather, my father. Where does that, how, for those who are not familiar, or those who, even for myself, not being very strong in my faith, as far as knowledge, where does it play into, in conflict, a, a service member or individual who goes to war and is put in that situation where they have to, in fact, take a life? That's a great question. Um, when you play out um, what he's telling Noah, for example, that is specifically with the word choices used that we don't pick up in, in the English translations. That's about murder. It's different from war. Um, in fact, very quickly, as, as population rebuilds, uh, God is telling the Israelites, you've got to actually wipe out people or they're going to 
um, they're going to corrupt you. Uh, and then you get into the New Testament and Christian theology, and there is a just war doctrine that's pervasive in, in the New Testament uh, where you taking up arms for your country, God establishes rulers and kingdoms and uh, countries fight each other, that uh, you in a just war are totally um, allowed to and authorized to take the life of the enemy. Uh, there's a difference between taking the life of someone in combat and willfully taking the life of someone. Let, let's go with, with Kenneth Smith. Um, had he killed someone in, in a war, he would not be getting the death penalty, uh, nor would God be saying execute him uh, in, in this theological understanding of Genesis 9. Uh, but it was a willful, he took someone's money to, with malice, kill someone. And that difference matters greatly theologically. And the word choices used uh, that we don't get from the Hebrew and English uh, very clearly are the uh, willful and wanton shedding of blood, uh, the willful wanton killing of someone, not in wartime, but uh, because you didn't like the person or or you had malice in your heart against them. I hope that helps. Jim, you're going to be the last caller. Welcome. Uh, let's see. Can I fire up? Well, my call screening program. Let's see. Yep, Jim, there you are. Welcome. How are you? Oh, fine. How are you doing? Great. What's going on, Jim? Listen, well, you know, as regards to this execution, there is this is an opportunity to make this guy realize, you know, he's laughing out the other side of his face, and it just might uh, encourage him to repent. Now, for those who don't believe in God, that's not going to mean anything. But for those of us who do, and we we take the seriously the idea of forgiveness, God can accept somebody at the last minute who just realizes, you know, I have I'm the one who did this, and I can think of at least two instances uh, where somebody at the very last said, you know, yeah. I'm sorry. I you know, I, what, what, I, what I find striking about this, Jim, and, and thanks for that, is the he's got a spiritual advisor. He's apparently got a pastor who travels from Arkansas, uh, and and God bless him. He's He's got a missional calling to do this. And I, I, by the way, I know ministers who minister to death row inmates, uh, and some of them are support the death penalty. Some of them don't. Um, many of them just find it a calling to try to convert the person before they die, and they take it very seriously. Um, I just, what frustrates me to no end is so many of the people who go on television and talk about this sort of stuff, they forget the real victim. It is not the murderer. It is the murdered victim. And she was stabbed to death. She wasn't shot. She didn't die quickly. It was a brutal, agonizing thing. And the state will bend over backwards to keep this man comfortable till the very last moment, till the very last breath. They will have a body of people in there to witness it. They will have doctors on hand, all of that. Um, and unlike what happened to the woman he murdered. And I just think that perspective gets lost in the conversations. It makes me angry makes me real angry for the real victims. Now, death penalty, the Supreme Court, all that, these are constitutional issues. What's going on in Texas with the border? Constitutional issues. And you are probably uh, wiser and have more insight into the constitutional issues on these things. If you've ever taken one of the classes from Hillsdale College, you can go. In fact, you know, I haven't actually been to the website yet. I want to go see this. See what Larry Arn cooked up for me. Eric 
for Hillsdale.com, E-R-I-C-K, for Hillsdale.com. Look at this. You get your free pocket-sized constitution uh, with the Declaration of Independence included. You just fill out the form with your address, and they get it. And you can hear the Constitution Minute. You can hear them during commercial ad breaks around the nation on this show. So essentially, Hillsdale College wants to educate you about the Constitution, and they started doing these Constitution Minutes. They play during the show. They are arranged by, put together by Hillsdale College. And they teach people about the Constitution. You can sign up and take one of the free classes on the Constitution from Hillsdale College. You can get a free pocket Constitution from Hillsdale College. You can even take the Constitution Minutes and send them to your friends and share with them and subscribe to them so you get them all the time. All you do is go to ericforhillsdale.com, eric, E-R-I-C-K, for hillsdale.com. And, y'all, it's Hillsdale College does a marvelous job. They're easy to understand lectures. They're not over your head. Uh, they're not designed with all that academic language that confuses the issue. Hillsdale College, Larry Arndt, they are committed to constitutional principles, and they want you to be able to understand the Constitution. If we are a nation of laws, not men, but a nation put together by men of the people, for the people, and by the people, you've got to understand your founding documents, and Hillsdale wants you to, and they'll give you the free pocket Constitution. Just go to ericforhillsdale.com today, sign up. You should develop a long-time supportive relationship with Hillsdale anyway. Such a great academic institution. We need more like Hillsdale. Hello. Welcome. It's Eric Erickson. Y'all, have you heard of ZERP? (laughs) ZERP. You should know the economy is actually growing. May not feel like it for you. This is good news, and we should take it as good news, and, and maybe they'll revise it downward, but the economy grew at 3.3%, and that's great. Also, it does appear wages are now outpacing inflation. That's great. Uh, it suggests the Fed is not going to lower interest rates probably uh, in March, but by the summer, we'll begin lowering interest rates. That's good. That will help the economy. Who cares about the political implications if your life is getting better uh, your family's life is getting better. Your 401k is doing good. Um, that That's good, and you should take it as good. If wages are outpacing inflation and the economy is growing, um, that's fantastic. I don't know whether the numbers will be revised down or, or not, but there is something that you also have to consider, and that is ZERP, zero interest rate. Um, what is it? Zero, zero. I used to know, and now suddenly I'm having a brain for it, but Zero interest rate policy. That's what the P stands for, ZERP. Zero interest rate policy. Zero interest rate policy made it very easy for tech companies to grow. It made it easy for private equity to buy up a lot of businesses. Uh, And now interest rates are high. And a lot of the companies that thought that we would just have pretty much zero interest rates forever are now starting to struggle. and, And the media is being wiped out. Business Insider laying people off. Los Angeles Times laying people off. All the the journalists are like, poor us. I, I I do have to say, Los Angeles Times reporters losing their jobs, massive layoffs. Say, it, it, I feel bad for anyone losing their jobs. But I'm reminded the other day, after all these lectures about how private equity is bad and we need local owners, uh, the Baltimore Sun got bought from private equity by a local buyer, and the media reaction was, oh, my gosh, that's a conservative. It's it's not necessarily better. Give us back the private equity. 
I mean, what they want is they want to be able to do their job as progressives in the media advocating for progressive causes, and they expect other people to subsidize them. And when ZERP was around, zero interest rate policy, it was possible, and private equity lost, uh, let them alone, and now interest rates are up, and they're being held accountable for profits. Tech companies are in the same boat. I got a buddy of mine who worked for a tech company, and the, the, their whole business was grow, 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 take on debt. Uh, the company was making enough money in the stock market and interest rates were so low it was fine. But as interest rates went up, suddenly they're like, whoa, you got to turn a profit now. People are getting laid off. Companies are being shaken up. Some companies are going out of business. The reality is where we are right now is normal times. And normal times are 4 to 5% interest rates. And for some reason, people forgot how to do business in that time. And that's actually normal times. We are back in normal times, and it just feels abnormal in large part because our leadership in the White House is so abnormally demented, and we're going to have to deal with that at the ballot box. Confidence starts with loving who you are. And when your skin feels nourished and glows on the outside, you naturally radiate confidence from the inside. Give your skin a glow up with Osea's clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This ultra-hydrating body care features two of Osea's bestsellers, Undaria Algae Body Oil and Undaria Collagen Body Lotion. These seaweed-powered heroes use skincare-level ingredients normally reserved for your face for results you can see and confidence you can feel. Osea has been making clean, clinically proven seaweed-infused face and body care products for over 28 years. This luxurious skincare is vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com, code GLOW.